Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. I'm your host for today, Trey Hill, and bringing on a familiar guest. The last time we had him on, we were excited that the Kings were finally going to make the playoffs. And here to talk about wrapping up that playoff run, none other than Jason Coldiron. Jason, thanks for coming back to talk about this King season. Thank you so much for having me back. It's to, as a lifelong Kings fan, today is the best ba- best day to be a Kings fan in probably sixteen to eighteen years. So, I mean, you got matched up against the defending champs. You you pushed them to seven games. You got Game Seven at home. So, to me, I think you got more than you could have expected when you got the Warriors as the draw. And I I couldn't have been happier for you and the other Kings fans I know. And you were so excited even after game seven, that you just insisted that you had to come and talk to me about it. So where are you now? Because we are, we're kind of rushing our schedules together to put this out. So where tell the people where you're at. So I am actually at a location that you could say is underground and down the street from Golden One Center. And when I drove to work this morning at about 5 30 in the morning there were people outside golden one center partying still oh wow so yeah this morning there were i'm too old to be to be up that late anymore but maybe in my early 20s i could have managed it but i didn't realize you were that close to the arena do you live that close yeah i'm extremely close I, I live at my home uh, on average tri- with normal traffic is about 10 minutes from downtown Sacramento. And so, yeah, I, I pass the arena going to and from work every day. All right. So you, you live right by the team. I know you watch a majority of their games this season. Now that it's wrapped up, how are you feeling about the team? What like where where what's your thought process going into the offseason? I have absolutely nothing but hugs and smiles and rainbows right now. This is, as I said, this is one of the best days to be a Kings fan in almost two decades. We lost yesterday, but there is absolutely no shame in losing in seven games to the defending champions to be up by two points at halftime in a game seven to have them on the ropes and and then to ultimately lose to them like pretty much everybody has for the last eight years. There is no shame whatsoever in how we lost. And this comes after a season where we broke a 16-year playoff drought. We've got two guys that are that made the all-star team, and mo- both of them are most likely going to be all NBA when those votes come out. They they put up we've got Fox won coach of the year, or sorry, Fox won the the first ever Butch player of the year. Brown won coach of the year. Murray set the record for the most threes from a rookie. And we broke the playoff drought, and then we made the, the defending champions. We made them sweat in game seven. There is no shame in that. This season is an A-plus all around. I don't have a negative word to say about anybody or anything with the organization. I would, I am happy to shake anybody's hand and hug any Kings fan that wants to. This is a great time, and I, for one, would really just like to spend the summer celebrating this amazing season. The core itself is pretty young. I think Barnes is the oldest one. He's in his low 30s. So it's it's also a team that you get to watch grow. And 
I know that's one of the best things is having this success, but also knowing you're going to have more success with this team. But right after the game, you sent me a message and it seems like you're really perturbed that uh, how some other Kings fans are reacting. So I'm just going to give you the floor to, to speak your mind on how some Kings fans are reacting to how the season ended. So I'm told that almost every fan base is like this, or at least has a section of their fan base that is like this. But just um, I, I am just really taken and blown away at how so many people can find things to poop on and to be, and to complain about right now. Uh, obviously, I just explained how how stoked and everything I am with the season. And while I don't expect every fan to be that happy. I definitely think it's a little ridiculous to, to to go crapping on people in the organization. We've got we've got. I, I'm looking at a stream of posts that includes uh, lots of garbage, like everybody that everybody apparently knows better than our coach of the coach of the year, Mike Brown. Apparently, everybody watching at home knows better than him, and apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently, Sabonis. You know, all, all he did this year was have an all-star season, help put us back on the map, going to make all NBA, uh, put up a line for centers this year statistically that's only been matched by freaking Wilt Chamberlain and did all that playing like half the season with a broken hand. And then he comes and has a down, by his own standards, a down first round. And people are coming out of the woodwork to destroy him and – Go you away. mentioned the the broken hand. <laughs> I don't think the broken hand was discussed enough uh, by the national media. Even so, that was what I saw was Sabonis just getting killed by everyone for not coming through. But I didn't hear anyone bringing up the fact that, like you said, he was literally playing with a broken hand. And Golden State, they have a top ten defense, especially when they're plugged in. And they knew what Sabonis was, how limited he was on the offensive end. And that, along with Steph Curry going, you know, having an all-time player, having an all-time game, that it just, things didn't quite break right. But for me... And really, I, and really, he was at number two to one because really, he was the only real big plane for the Kings and he was up against Looney and Green. So really, he was also out number two to one for the whole series, pretty much. Right, and this game is this game especially Looney Looney won in this game along with Seth Curry, be, getting those offensive boards, especially in the third quarter. Sacramento let them rebound thirty nine percent of their misses, which is ninety third percentile for the league. You can't allow that, but I don't think that's all on Sabonis. You have to be like you have to be able to crash the boards as a team, and I think. Sacramento, one of the things they do so well is they run. They wanted to run and get out in transition, but leaving Sabonis to be the only rebounder, I, I felt like he got left on an island a few times there. And, yeah, he maybe he should get the rebounds, but that's just the product of how you played. Yeah, and, and give the Warriors plenty of credit, too, because it's hard to rebound as a team, particularly with your perimeter guys, when they're sweating every every second of the possession frantically and desperately trying to keep up with Curry and Thompson running every which way. It's hard for them when a shot goes up to then be able to get in position to get rebounds. Like Sabonis, he has to pay attention to what Steph Curry is doing. Even if he's not guarding him, he has to kind of pay a little bit of attention. And I think 
that distraction gives Looney that chance to dive in and get the position that he needed for those offensive rebounds because of the gravity of Steph Curry. Do you think there was anything to that? I wanted to spit that out before I forgot it. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to what we've seen for the last eight, nine years with Curry. He he affects every aspect of the game. And he's going off for 50 points. The guards are frantically trying to keep up and do everything they can. Sabonis is constantly worried about whether to step up on the screen or drop back. And the Warriors present you with 500 problems and... And you're lucky if you can solve half of them. Yeah, lucky if you can solve half. Let's not be negative about Sabonis. I looked at the numbers, and he didn't change the way he played the game, which I thought was a good sign just in how the team was able to to build itself organically. I thought they did a really good job over the season learning to play together, and I thought the showing they had in the first round was just above and beyond what anyone was expecting. Other than myself, I thought they were going to win the series. I I predicted this a while back with you and and the DMs. I liked the matchup. But other than people like crazy people like me, I feel like you had to be really happy with how well all of the players stepped up, especially the rookie. I know this wasn't on the agenda, but Keegan Murray, I thought, really stepped up. And came through after having a first, uh, after having some rough games. Yeah, absolutely. He was looking like a deer in headlights those first couple of games, and you figured the moment was just too big for him. And I was just about to the point where, you know, you you, you had to start worrying about or thinking about cutting back his playing time, um, and saying, "Hey, hopefully he'll just learn from this and he'll come back better next season." But uh, the last couple of games, he really turned it around and became one of the, one of our best players in the series by the end of it. I think that's just such a good sign for this team going forward. So um, the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about is Sabonis is going to be eligible for an extension. It's going to be four years, $120 million, thanks to the new CBA. It's not quite max money, but it, it's up there close enough that Sabonis might be tempted to go ahead and lock it up, especially if he likes, you know, the team he's around. And would I guess my question is, would you offer that to Sabonis? Absolutely, no, 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 no hesitation whatsoever. You, ought, you we, we can and will offer him as much as the CBA allows. And I, you know, obviously, I don't know, but I would think he will take it, even if it might be a tad less than he can get on the open market. Right now, it's a big love fest here. I think the Kings will be thrilled to to pay him the, as much as they're allowed to, and he'll be stoked to take it and and plan his next four or five years here, being the, being the anchor of a team that should be a perennial playoff team now. All right, sir. Any last go? Um, I know you said you used to do autopsies for teams that were eliminated. This isn't quite yeah. an autopsy, but give me a little obituary for this King season before we wrap things up. The 22-23 Sacramento Kings were a team that exceeded all expectations at every step of the way. A team that broke a historic playoff drought, led the team and the city and the organization and the devout crazy fans back to the promised land, back to the playoffs. The season ended in a little bit of a heartbreak, but died an extremely noble death to a glorious champion. And there is no shame in how we lost and... They, this team will be remembered forever 
and their death and their sacrifice will plant the seeds for a glorious reign of Kings playoff basketball for the next several years. Well, I'll light the beam for that. Here, here. Um, you don't really do any social media. Do you have anything to plug before we before we run off? No, I don't. <laughs> All right. Well, well, my plug is Hoop Social. Everything about it. So there's my plug. Um, thanks again for listening to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary, and have a good one. <laughs>